Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lou Weiss from Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm here again with uh, Carrie Jordan from Epicor Software. Uh, welcome back, Carrie. Thank you so much, Lou. It's great to be here. Uh, great. Love to have you. We had one of the most interesting shows ever in the 10 years that we're doing these podcasts uh, with you back in uh, April of 2023. And I was called the voice of the workers in manufacturing. And then you have now a part two. That's and right. we're, we're going to be talking about part two today, along with part one, the voice of the manufacturing manager. Before I get on a roll with you and you and I go back and forth for the next 45 minutes or so, um, to our listeners, to the manufacturers, this show and these two reports that have come out from Epicor may be the most important report and survey that you might ever need to see, use, and buy into for the health, strength, sustainability uh, of your companies. And um, I spent, I told you earlier, I spent three hours last night going over a 39-page report, and it, it was just amazing. Um, so for our audience and our listeners, this is a must-watch, listen at the end, click the button, get your report, your own copy of the report, buy into it, because it's so important, because our, our manufacturing is changing faster than it, it went from horseshoes to the floorboards of the Model T Ford. And it's happening almost on a daily basis. So, Carrie, thanks for joining us again. I appreciate Epicor letting you be on our show. And by the way, one other thing, um, Carrie also wrote a uh, article for our uh, Manufacturing Outlook easing in our uh, May issue of 2023. Uh, you might want to go to that and read that uh, article sort of a condensation of uh, the first uh, survey. Uh, also, she's a great writer, gets the point across. So we're going to keep doing it. Right? Well, thank you, Lou. Absolutely. Okay. And I mean, I couldn't agree more. I'm sure you know um, the questions that we asked in the survey really do point to the health and the future of the manufacturing industry. So I'm excited to get into it with you. Good. I'm excited as well. So let's go. Give me the give me the breakdown where you want to start. You, we want to talk about the worker first, sort of give a summary of the first report. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, what I want to do is um, just bring everyone's attention to the two reports, just to kind of level set where we are, and what we have done, and what we'll be talking about. So, uh, Epicor surveyed. Uh, uh, professionals in the manufacturing space. Um, back in January of 2023, we published the voice of the essential manufacturing worker in 2020 of 2022, um, because we surveyed 600 respondents that self-identified as a frontline worker between September and December of 2022. 
And then what we did was we took some of those same questions and added a few others based on what we learned. And we then surveyed 400 uh, respondents who self-identified as managers, supervisors, presidents, CEOs of manufacturing organizations between April and June of 2023, and just published this voice of the manufacturing manager in 2023. So those can be found at epicor.com slash voice. So if anybody wants to follow along, of course, they could download it. Um, but let's let's do a quick recap to kind of set the stage and give everyone a little bit of context from what we heard from the voice of the essential manufacturing worker. So this is kind of a, a cheat sheet, a breakdown as to the, the top learnings. So of the 600 frontline workers that we surveyed, it's really interesting to see that 52%, more than half said that morale was high. 60% said that they preferred to work for a technology-driven or a more sustainable factory. And as a matter of fact, that 60% said that they would take a 10% pay cut to go to a a factory that was more technology driven and more sustainable. And, and that was something that we did follow up on in this next report. Um, but something and, else, and by the way, not to interrupt you, but I yeah. will. This yes. was all going on during the near end of COVID. Right. So these are very positive numbers during a very negative time. Yes. Good, good point. And, you know, I, I was thinking about that 60% because I think last time when we spoke, we were saying, you know, we're, we're talking about how, how could it be that that so many people would would be willing to take a 10% pay cut to go to work for a, a company that is more technology driven, or a factory that cares more about sustainability. And, you know, as I've been thinking about that, reflecting upon it and talking with other customers and, and business leaders, I think those types of companies probably offer employees more job security. Um, that's the kind of company that's going to be around, you know, in the next three, five, 10, 20 plus years. Those are the kind of companies that are forward thinking. Correct. So, and I think we'll see that kind of play out as, as we go through this. But um, so something else that was really interesting and we asked uh, the, the, the managers about this as well. The number one challenge that the workers called out was the high cost of raw materials. And you know, at, at first glance, that does seem to be more of a C-suite issue because it gets to the budgets, budgetary challenges, negotiating with your partners and suppliers, but how that manifests on a day-to-day -day basis for the workers is a very challenging experience when they don't have the types of materials that they're used to working with, the quality that they're used to working with. And because they have to do something different or plan to, to manage that concern that they have about potentially a lower quality or lower cost, that adds a higher burden on the day-to-day, -day, therefore reducing the flexibility that a person has on, their, on the daily basis. So it just has so many ripple effects. And it's pretty interesting to see how that continues to play out. This was a number, this, this uh, number that said that they plan to leave their job in the next year. And that was 56%. 56% of the workers said that they plan to leave their job in the next year. Um, and then 80% said that their company was focusing on making upscaling a priority. So pretty interesting to see the numbers and, and keep those in mind as we talk it through. One of the things that we spoke about last time was 
Okay, so for those companies that say, you know, they're of high morale, they also describe their company as very modern. Well, what does that mean? What is a modern company? So these were the four technologies that I just wanted to mention to you and to your listeners. Um, these are the four technologies that were the most popular among factories that were described as very modern. And that is big data. So leveraging data to inform decisions that are made on the shop floor all the way to the C-suite. Robotics and artificial intelligence was also called out. And I can imagine, you know, certainly for uses around safety and compliance, but also user efficiency and productivity on the shop floor. Augmented reality was also called out, which is interesting when you think about the possibility around digital twins and how that can impact the, the quality and throughput of, of your products across the shop floor. And then 3D printing was another one of the most popular technologies. So where's AI in all of this? Where is AI? Where is AI? We actually lumped it in with robotics. And I think that was probably a mistake because there's probably more organizations that are leveraging robotics versus artificial intelligence. And now that there's generative AI with the likes of ChatGPT and so many others now, right, right. that's taken on a new life, right? A life of its own, something very different from robotics. So the next report survey is going to probably have a lot of AI in it. I would imagine so. Yep. Okay, great. All right. Okay. So yeah. let's just the key takeaways before we jump into the um, voice of the manufacturing manager. This is what we had said as, you know, as far as our learnings go and just wanted to pass this on for anybody who's thinking about the future of your organization and what sort of initiatives should you be investing in or looking at based on these uh, results. And the first one was make technology and sustainability a priority. We saw that so many uh, employees were willing to go to work for an organization that made technology a priority, that made a sustainability a priority, those that are investing in these areas to empower their workers, but also to ensure the future of their organization. Providing flexible work schedules and paid time off was a major takeaway among those organizations that had high morale. And then continuing to invest in upscaling your workforce, because if 80% of organizations are doing that, if you're not, you're likely to be left behind. So those one, are the key takeaways. One of the, one of the things about the paid time off is uh, I know that employees are appreciating going for training, uh, on-site training or online training for upscaling their position, uh, going from uh, a, less, a lesser uh, valued job to one that is more, um, uh, computer-oriented, uh, techni techno uh, technology-oriented. So they're appreciating the fact that they're getting an education uh, right. along with the work. Absolutely. And that really shows your employees that you are invested in them. Correct. I mean, that's what makes a great company, the team. Correct. One of the things that I've found is that Employee, and you have it in your going forward report here about people who are staying with the company for 10, 15, and 20 years. Uh, I mean, that's a strong signal of a great yes. company. Yes, yes. May we all be so lucky. 
All right. Well, let's get into the voice of the manufacturing manager. Okay. Um, so this is our new report. We just published it. Uh, just quickly on uh, the demographics of the participants, just to share with you all, there were 400 manufacturing leaders across the United States in roles that spanned the C-level executive suite, owner, senior, and middle management. And there was a pretty good spread if you look across um, from 18 to over 55, uh, our largest group was um, those that are in the uh, 25 to 34 year segment and then over 55. And then the number of employees, I thought this was also a pretty good span, generally the, the middle side, mid-range mid um, size of organization, just to give everybody kind of um, a sense for who these folks were. And then when it comes to the, the topics that we asked them, it, it really broke down into these five. It was technology and modernization. So what is it that you're doing within your business as far as the technology goes, the digital applications, um, the facilities that you're using as you are looking to the future uh, in order to modernize your operations. Um, upskilling and the new skill sets. So when we looked, of course, at the manager uh, report, this was so popular. So we wanted to see why is it that the managers are investing in this? What does it do for the business? Um, we know, of course, what it does for the employee, but you know, from a strategic perspective, why does it matter if you're investing in upskilling? And as a matter of fact, um, you know, just kind of a side note, I really think you mentioned AI. I really think AI and these kinds of new technologies are very closely tied to why we are seeing so much upskilling happening in the business um, because these are just brand new technologies. It's not like you can go easily hire somebody, you know, in, in an entry-level position who has these kinds of skill sets. You have to find people who are motivated to learn. Um, right. So it's interesting to see how that, how that plays out and the, the correlation there. But um, we also asked about day-to-day -day work, the priorities and challenges that managers have. And then uh, we asked about manufacturing leadership and the outlook uh, that they they feel in terms of, you know, is it a positive outlook, negative outlook? Um, and spoiler alert, it is positive. So it's exciting to see, just like you said, you know, we, we've emerged into this new era and this focus on modern technologies at the manufacturing level and the impact that it's having on the teams, the morale and uh, willingness to stay in role, in job, at that company and the opportunity that they have to grow. So, right. I think one of the things that we're seeing in this report as well as others, but there's almost, there's almost a new vocabulary. You use the word team, you use the word leadership, you're using uh, uh, other words that didn't exist years ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my father worked for the government printing office in Washington, D.C. Um, there was no such thing as a team. He worked at his linotype machine, left work at 4.30, and that was the end of it. Um, it's it's become different, and it's uh, um, I, I think it's much better today, and will get continue to get better. I agree, and it's interesting to see the types of technologies that organizations are investing in to continue empowering their workforce to keep that team collaboration alive and that becomes a real challenge 
you know, when you grow from a five person company to 10 to 50 to 300, how do you maintain that culture of camaraderie and the teamwork that you'd had at the very beginning? It's true. It's true. So um, move, moving along, you were talking about uh, uh, about the very modern 58% of the companies say they're working for very modern companies. Right. Uh, that That's a big number. I was surprised by that as well. Let's take a look at what makes a very modern company. So we asked, um, you know, to, to rate your company's modernization level. Are you uh, working at a company that is not very modern, that's somewhat modern or very modern? And 58% said that their company is very modern. And so we asked why, what, what makes a modern organization? And 61% of those that said that they are very modern were leveraging automation technology. 61% said that they were also leveraging data accessibility, 59% sustainability, 59% flexibility were technologies that they were investing in, digitization, the employee user experience and collaboration all ranked very highly. Those are the, the pillars of what makes a modern organization today. One of the things that I saw in, in the numbers in the actual report were that if you add up all the numbers about the the very the very modern or somewhat modern or not very modern, all the numbers totaled up it well into the 90s. And those who are not very or not very uh, accurate or not very uh, sustainable. These are the smaller companies. Uh, you, you had a list, list in your report of the various size companies. Those companies aren't gonna be around. They're gonna either disappear or be acquired um, or shut down. Yes. So I mean, that's a very- be well in the 90s. Very real risk. Very real risk if you're an organization that's not investing in these kinds of uh, technologies and modernization tools. And just to kind of dig a little bit deeper into it. So you asked me about artificial intelligence. Check yeah. it out. Yes, the top, are. the top technology. Um, I jumped too quick. <laughs> yes. Well, we should jump to the punch. So um, artificial intelligence, it's pretty exciting to see the way in which it is emerging as a stronger technology. I will say, I think manufacturing has been one of the earliest adopters of forms of artificial intelligence. When we think about, you know, it at the very level of leveraging compute to predict outcomes, because if you think of MRP, material resource plan, uh, material requirements planning, or even AP automation, scanning invoices to submit POs into your uh, ERPs, or, you know, there's just a variety of ways in which artificial intelligence actually is, has always been, you know, realizing itself within the past 10, 20, 30 years of, of manufacturing way before other industries. So um, I think manufacturing is, uh, is, is actually very far ahead. And, and, primed to continue to invest and get the benefits out of technologies like artificial intelligence. I think we could spend a very long time talking about AI in particular. <laughs> um, well, to, there's... To, to your point about AI, and I want to get this one little point squeezed in. Yes. I talked about it pre-show, and that was 
AI is almost not keeping up with itself because there's a new term coming about, and I'll even read you the definition. It's called uh, ASI. That is artificial superintelligence. And the definition of artificial superintelligence, and it's a shocking comment, a form of AI that is capable of surpassing human intelligence, cognitive skills, and thinking skills of its own. That is a little frightening. It is frightening. <laughs> I always think of Hal from yes. Space Odyssey. So do I. <laughs> so do I. Actually, it was um, just a little side note, funny story. So um, our company had our big uh customer annual conference. So if anybody listening who was there, I'll, I'll share a little uh, inside knowledge with you. Um, during our big, you know, keynote opening keynote in the first day, our chief product officer was um, talking about the power of AI in makers, movers and sellers, these, these very hardworking organizations such as manufacturers. Um, and a fun thing that he had us, us do on his team was ask our children to draw illustrations like representations of ai what does it mean to them and, and we showed you know a kindergartner had a picture of um like a person that had a computer for a head um <laughs> there was a middle schooler who drew the person but like there were you know kind of wires coming out of their head um then there's my son the high schooler and he drew a picture of hal <laughs> <laughs> A little too real. <laughs> Not many people know what Hal means, though. That's right. That's IBM. Right. Mm -hmm. H I B, uh, the three letters IBM, Hal. You spell it one letter off. Oh. I'm not sure which word they used in the lawsuit, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of AI, we really could talk about this for hours. Uh -huh. I'm Correct. looking forward to that that um, show about ASI. That is interesting. Yes, it is. Tune mm -hmm. into it. It's on the it's on the internet. It tells you all about it. The thing that concerns me about uh, AI and ASI, and I think it's one of the things that some of the real guru uh, intellects of AI is they're talking about. What happens when the computers can make judgments? Mm -hmm. Not just make a decision or not make a suggestion or not make a um, whatever it is they're making. But once they start making judgments, then we're all out of control. Yes. Yes. Which is why it's so important for us to be designing AI with a human in the loop, a person. Unless they had the a bad day that morning. <laughs> there is risk and everything isn't there. I guess. Some more than others. <laughs> oh, okay, so um, one of the things that we asked about that's closely related to uh, this is, you know, what does technology do for your business? So I did just want to quickly share, like, if, if you have um, a data-first strategy, which is one that leverages technologies and tools to bring about data, to pull it out, provide more visibility, and then you're making decisions for your business based on data rather than opinion or 
uh, you know, your, your gut, um, which I think should should be a part of this, right? But but you really need the data um, as a key as a key decision making point. Um, why why would you do that? And uh, here here's what the respondents said in terms of the business benefit and improved customer experience and loyalty was top. Uh, faster time to value, being able to deliver the product sooner to the end consumer, and then better sustainability in, in managing and monitoring, empowering your workforce and reducing costs. But it really comes down to that customer experience and improving the loyalty of your customers. So very important benefit there. Years ago, uh, uh, when we started Manufacturing Talk Radio, uh, you know, we had a lot of apps that gave us a lot of data. And, you know, it was just numbers, more numbers. More numbers. What do the numbers mean? Mm -hmm. And finally, we're now getting to the point that the, the numbers, they're beginning to take the numbers and saying, okay, this number means that you really have to look at cost management. You have to look at uh, productivity time. You have to look at the customer experience. You have to look at the employee experience. And that's what the data is now beginning to tell us other than just throwing a number. Right. Right. That's a great way to synthesize this. Absolutely. It really comes down to being able to leverage that data. That's so important to, to the decision-making process. But if you can't even get to the data, if you question the accuracy or the quality of the data, that's problematic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Shall we go to the next topic? Sure. Go All right. Let's tackle upskilling and hiring. So this was interesting. 77% said that their company is prioritizing upskilling. This is very similar to what we saw in the Voice of Manufacturing Worker Report. So from top to bottom, bottom to top, we're focused on our people and training them and bringing them into the next era of, of manufacturing. And how are they doing so? So if you're if you're running an organization or you're working at one um, that is also interested in perhaps expanding your uh, upskilling approach, this is what others were doing. And so we wanted to pass it on to you all. Um, online training platforms are very popular. That's that's probably a um, a low uh, cost and barrier to entry way uh, with usually curated content already available for your team. So access to online training platforms. Um, also, if we think about, there's still a lot of people who are you know, working from home. Um, this is a, a great tool, the online training platforms, but they're still very important on the job training, on site training. It's almost equal in terms of how popular that is, 52%. Uh, offered paid time off to take training courses. I thought that was interesting. Uh, what an investment these companies are making in their in their people. 32% said that their HR offers career guidance and 23% said that they cover tuition for courses and training. So a couple different ways, a diff different approaches, um, depending upon your organization and your needs. I think some of this that we're talking about now as come about as a result of the fact that uh, we have a very high retiring rate. Uh, we have a skill gap. Uh, our 
manufacturing population at one time was 45 million. It's now down to 12.5. And matter of fact, uh, the numbers came out uh, a day or two ago that the month of August, there was 555,000 new open jobs in manufacturing. Where are you getting these people from? My philosophy is, well, maybe you got to start having a um, immigration policy that works uh, and maybe not necessarily run by the government, but maybe by a organization, a council, uh, a group of intelligent uh, uh, executives to come up with a policy that could work for our country, mm-hmm. the manufacturing world. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not working as well as it could be. And it would be great to have the voice of the manufacturers a part of that decision-making process. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, And and as I started off my uh, discussion is that this report, and we're we're seeing the various slides that you created, um, that's the equivalent of about uh, 28 pages now. Uh, It's a 38-page report, this new one, the manager's report, I, I'm telling you, everyone who's listening, go get that report. Take it to your managers. Take it to your CEOs and CFOs. Um, this is really, really important stuff. Thank you, Lou. You're your right. There's, workers. there's no way we're going to get through it all in the show. So you're yeah. right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. We'll just have to do a part three. Or a part four. There you go. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to this next one because this is a really interesting topic. We asked about the day-to-day and this was promising. 64% said that morale is high at their company. How wonderful. And we asked, what are some of the things that your company has done to improve morale recently? And the first one was they offer more paid time off. Actually, you can see that there's so many different ways in which they've been doing it. So more paid time off, recognizing employees for achievements, for a job well done, and giving them opportunities for growth. For those uh, workers that are ready in your organization or your managers or supervisors, ready to take that next step, giving them a path to do so. Bonuses and higher pay, providing better tools and technology, management that really listens to the staff takes into account their opinion, uh, their experiences, and makes changes based upon uh, the data that they provide. Flexible work schedules, employee-led initiatives, even non-monetary perks have been important, and a couple other items here as well. So so great ways in which to improve the the day-to-day. And we asked as well, what are the most enjoyable things that you do. And this I thought was great. The the number one way was working with technology, being a part of the change, the innovation, the new things that are happening across this great industry. How wonderful to see that that was what was pulled out. Um, I mean, and, and that's really, that really is an exciting thing to be a part of. Just like we were talking about AI. I don't, I mean, I haven't talked to anybody who hasn't brought up AI as a business leader in the space and the tools and technologies that uh, that that are 
uh, ancillary to AI and can really create some exciting value and new business outcomes that were, you know, almost unfathomable before. Um, this next one was very similar to what we saw in the uh, voice of the manufacturing worker, and that's being a part of a team and creating something with my hands. That tangible reward at the end of the day of having created something um, is just unbeatable. It's wonderful to be a part of, of something like that. Um, and then these other aspects too, solving problems, seeing products come to life, uh, a stepping stone for a future career. It's true. I mean, especially as, as we see so much upskilling happening across manufacturing businesses, it's definitely a stepping stone uh, to, to a, a future career, great career, um, and contributing to the mission of the company, coworkers. So just wonderful to see, you know, what is it that that is the most enjoyable? And then, you know, what what creates a great work environment? And uh, what was really interesting was we saw people say that flexibility matters. Um, they are looking for tools and technology that make their employees' day and job more efficient, safer. And then another way was, of course, more paid time off. There's one that, there's one that doesn't come up too often, and I heard this from a friend of mine recently. He said that and he loves technology and he's now been involved in it for four or five years and improving and changing and growing. He said one of the things he likes the most is that he's keeping up with his nine-year-old son. <laughs> yes, although I think they're probably going to beat us. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> I've kind of given up the, the high schooler for sure. And I have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old. I think I still got the three-year-old. The eight-year-old, though, <laughs> right. she's got me beat. <laughs> got it. Got it. All right. And then um, if we take a look at the priorities and challenges. So so this, I think we can all relate to, you know, in, in working with manufacturing organizations, uh, within manufacturing organizations, um, the number one priority that the manufacturing managers called out was quality control. That is their number one concern uh, when they are looking across their day-to-day. -day. Their number one priority is quality control. Next is cost management. Third is production efficiency. Fourth is safety. And the list goes on from there. And of course, when your priority is quality control, cost management, production efficiency, safety, that will impact where your investments are, the decisions that you make on a day-to-day -day basis. So we're thinking about the, the uh, entirety of this report, right? So if you're thinking about those investments in upskilling and um, the technology to, to improve your, your uh, work environment, these should align. You know, you should be thinking about the tools and technology, uh, the skills that you're looking to impart upon your employees to align with your priorities. And that is how you can get that investment in place. Um, and if we look at the challenges, so this I think is also closely related to the priorities. What is your greatest challenge at work? And it is hitting production targets. And I thought that that was interesting too. If we think about the number one challenge that the worker said, that was um, uh, the number one challenge that worker said was cost of raw materials. How can you hit your production targets when you don't have the right raw materials or enough and on time and on budget? So you can see the correlation here, how they're working together. 
and experiencing some of the same challenge, but from different perspectives. This is a, a side story for one of the points that you just mentioned regarding quality control. The Institute, uh, the um, uh, International Standards Organization in Switzerland created the ISO standards back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, we were one of the first uh, forge companies in the United States that went for ISO standards. And I got a lot of pushback, a lot of pushback. Why do we have to follow instructions by a foreign country? And uh, it took a year and we had outside consultants come in and help us put together our program. It's now 30 years later, 29 years later, we cannot live and operate our business without following our ISO standards manual. And every month, somebody comes up with an idea and it's, it's called a preventive action, a PAR, that they come up with a preventive action report that says, you know, we could do this better and different if we did it this way. So we have our ISO meetings, our monthly meetings, and then everybody talks about it and it winds up making the job easier. Mm -hmm. The production is better. The customer is happier. The salaries could go up. The bonuses go up. I don't get that same pushback anymore. No doubt the benefits there. They're seeing it. Directly, directly. So there's been a major migration of quality control just over the last 30 years, yes. which we're very pleased with. Yes, yes. And it's interesting to see too, it's still top priority. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, let's move on to the outlook of manufacturing leadership. There were some key highlights here that I wanted to share with everyone. Um, and this is kind of a, a quick summary of a few major ones. Like we said, it's gonna be so difficult to actually get through everything on the report. So we're just kind of hitting the highlights here, but 60% okay. uh, of managers said that they expect an increase in budget for hiring and retaining employees in the next year, which is great because we saw in the previous one that there's a lot of potential attrition because they see opportunities at organizations that are investing in their employees, that are investing in technology and sustainability. Um, so that, that was great to see. Um, also ways in which to retain employees include upskilling and training. So the additional um, uh, paid time off, the flexibility in their schedule, all ways in which to in invest in employees from a retention perspective. Uh, they also saw an increase in budget, 62% said for new technologies and sustainability initiatives. So I was very glad to see that, that similarity there. When it comes to the career outlook, this was very different. Uh, and I have a little way we can we can compare this, but just wanted to point out 81% said that they plan to stay at their job over the next year. That was pretty different a year ago and among the workers. So supervisors, uh, the executives, presidents, leaders within, within the organization said that they plan to stay 
at their job. And then 71% said that they believed automation or robotics will change their job over the next five years. And I feel like this number should have been higher because it's affecting all of us, but perhaps the direct impact at the leadership level is probably still unclear in some roles. So that's something I think to explore a little bit further, especially in that next session on ASI. I love this new term, ASI. I mean, I'm also terrified of it, but. Carrie, we've reached the end and not the end of your report, but we've reached the end of our time here. Um, I, I found this uh, extremely beneficial and I'm again, strongly, strongly recommending to our audience and listeners and manufacturers, this is a guidebook to what you should be doing and what last year's report, where you came from and how things have changed in this past year. And maybe I'll even get an embargoed copy of the next year report so I could study it even further along before I have you on on the show again. But at the end of the show, either click on the links to get your copies of these two reports and or to go to epicor.com slash voice. But before we leave, I have to ask you, what does Epicor do for our listeners and our manufacturers? Of course, of course. Thank you for asking there that. There it is, the sales pitch. <laughs> I know, here it comes. Well, I'm not a salesperson. I'm in product management. So, um, but I can tell you, Epicor is a company that provides software applications for manufacturers, distributors, building supply companies, retailers, um, automotive aftermarket, all of the makers, movers, and sellers across this, this great economy. Um global for a global organization and those uh, digital applications that we provide are really industry productivity solutions that um, really help our companies um, you know improve revenue um, improve productivity we work with them across the spectrum of their industries so uh, epicor.com is a place to go to learn more and as you mentioned epicor.com voice is where you can find these reports don't miss it don't miss it. Get it. It's great bedtime reading. Take it with your, I had my red marking pen. I marked everything up. Uh, I passed it on to my, this morning to my uh, sales manager. I said, read it. This is important stuff. So, uh, Carrie Jordan, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I want to let everybody know that we're on the show every week on Tuesdays. We're on all your favorite platforms, YouTube being one of the biggest. Uh, and uh, normally we're not on this long, but uh, I'm sure they'll let us uh, run our show for almost an hour. Uh, so tune in. Uh, also be aware that we have Manufacturing Outlook e-zine, uh, manufacturingoutlook.com. We also have my primary uh, job function, which is making and creating forgings. That's all metals and forge group. 
that's where I get my combat pay. I don't get it here. I only get to talk to nice people. So, Carrie, thank you very much. It's been clearly my pleasure. Oh, thank you, Lou. It's been mine. I appreciate the time. Thank and you. We'll, we'll be talking again. Thank you very much. Bye now. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please like and subscribe, share on social media, or leave a review. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Rumble, or your favorite podcast app. Visit us online at mfgtalkradio.com for our other episodes. We have also included links to our advertisers below. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.